Good morning and a happy Friday to you folks. I want to ask one question today. Are you doing what you love? Okay, two questions. Are you living your life with purpose? Every day you are sending a message by demonstrating your actions. Productivity can be measured with science and analytics, which is very helpful when it comes to work and life and etc. But your happiness is defined by you. When you live your life with purpose, you are going to try your best. Your actions will center around the life that you want to live. Doing your best creates actions of gratitude, which becomes your real reward. So many of us go to work every day so that we can get our reward of money and a few hours a week to spend that money with time off. So many of us go to work because we feel like we have to. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you repurpose your work and reinvent your purpose, trust me, your rewards will come. And the best part is that you will not be attached to those rewards. They will just be a reminder that you are the actual reward. Now let's reward ourselves and get this Friday started. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. All right, welcome to Friday, Friday, Friday. Oh, look at that. I'm on mic one today. We got them switched around. Switch it's, roof. it's Friday. Today the role of Jason Spies will be played by Sterling. Friday. All right, well, welcome to the free format Friday here. It's the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. Last day for Kate's Man Cave for the week oh, is our man. sponsor. Got to miss Kate's Man Cave. Also, Orange Property Management was our other sponsor this week. I think this is the first time we <laughs> dropped their name all week. Thank you very much, Orange Property Management. You know, when Kate's Man Cave becomes a sponsor for the week, we don't get a lot of opportunities we should, we really should like do, that. We should rebate a certain percentage to Orange Property Management. We'll just plug Orange into Kate's Man Cave the rest of the day. Very well then. Very well then. Uh, folks, this is the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. It's Friday, and it's Good Friday. Good Friday. It's uh, it's going to be a better Friday because you're listening to the Crude Life Morning Show. Yeah. Good way to start Becker the weekend. Safety and Supply, who's donating the custom FR, the area jacket, the FR. Flame resistant. Uh, close to a $350 value. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're closed today on Good Friday in honor of the uh, celebration and observation of Good Friday. So we'd uh, also want to mention thank you to them for the March Madness Prize, for the mm-hmm. grand prize. Also, they're doing the Crude Life official, officially endorsed, because there's a lot of knockoffs out there. Yeah. A lot yeah. of Crude Life coffee mug, tumbler It's a knockoffs. game of whack-a-mole. Boy, the, that... From South Korea, that one that came in. Mm. Oh boy! If I find the <laughs> there's cru- only one, the well, crude life. The, the one had two O's in it. <laughs> the crude life. I just Come remember on. the one that had the unlot over it. I fell for that one. <laughs> crude. The crude. I thought it was cool. Yeah. I, had, I thought I had my own merchandise out there. The, I, the, crude, the crude life. I thought it was a German metal band for a minute, man. That's be cool. <laughs> so we are gonna have. 
officially licensed, officially approved, stainless steel, turbocharged, diesel generated. I don't know about that last part. Water bottles? Those uh, travel tumblers. The thermos. The coffee mugs. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can do hot water. You yeah. can do cold water. Yeah, they keep something hot or cold oh, for, for hours. Like a day. Yeah. It's amazing how those things work. So uh, we're going to have the Crude Life logo in two colors. Woo. Black and seafoam. Seafoam. Is that like a blue or a white? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. It's one of those colors. Somewhere between a blue, white, green. I, my parents only ever bought me one box of crayons that had six colors in it. Have you been to the sea? Not in a long time, It man. looks like the foam. It looks like the foam on the sea. It's All in right. the name, sea foam. <laughs> Do I need to draw you a picture? Because I did. It's Would right you? here. <laughs> so uh, all the final four participants in March Madness... Who we should probably name. I was going to say, don't we? Do we have a final four now? Yeah, we do. We do. We'll get there. Just give me a second here. I got to. <laughs> I want to know more about this flame resistance stuff. Like, I'd be really curious how they test it, you know, how they determine how flame resistant it is. I'm Because I'm sure they do practical tests, right? Oh, that's, yeah. That's got to be a cool job, man. Becker Safety and Supply, they bring the uh, fire guy to. To the, to the shop. Awesome. Like, what, like once a year. Just in case. Or, or they have a couple times. <laughs> oh, no, where they take the flamethrower out uh-huh. and light the guy on fire oh, man. for a demonstration. Imagine that gig. What yeah. are you doing today? Oh, I'm going to be lit on him. fire. I said, now that is a demonstration people will show up to. Absolutely. Beats the guy with the PowerPoint. Man. Totally. See, that's hey, kind of a demonstration. watch Bob with the PowerPoint and watch that <laughs> sorry bastard get lit on fire. <laughs> it's a Roman candle over there. <laughs> so... Okay, so in the Crude Life 2021 March Madness Final Four is, you ready bum, for bum, this? Bum. Number one imperative chemical partners coming out of the Permian region. Out of the Eagleford region, the number 11 Oil Man magazine. Out of the Rocky Mountain region, number one Elite Energy Services. It's all in the name, baby. And out of the Marcellus, number two E&E Enterprises. You know, what's interesting about this is actually I picked Houston mm-hmm. as my team. Yeah. And I, I have the audio with Josh Swanson. I should find it. Uh, and they're still in it. They're number so the, two. There's official historical documentation. Well, I, I came back from Texas, and a lot of people were talking about Houston. A lot of people were talking about Oklahoma State as well. Mm-hmm. But they played each other in the same bracket. Okay, so I had to pick one of them, yeah. and I picked Houston. Immovable force. So my my national championship pick of Houston is still alive. Still a cha- Well, it's better than our sponsors did the first uh, slate. Do we have any left? Yeah. Oh, uh, Elite Energy Elite services. Energy, man. Okay. Yeah, we're hoping. Crossing our fingers yep. on that. Imperative Chemical Partners, Oil Man Magazine. Boy, Oil Man, they were the play-in game. Mm-hmm. So they, they took on OG Directory. Knock Sean Forbes, our co-host, <laughs> right out of that first day of a Tuesday. I think that was on a Tuesday, Thursday, wasn't it? Or Thursday, yeah, that's year. right. That's right. The first four, they call yeah. it the first four. So UCLA is still alive. Oil Man Magazine is still alive. And then uh, E&E Enterprises, that's Houston. So, okay, great. Awesome. Oh, Baylor, that's uh, Elite Energy Services. So, folks, there's something to pay attention to this weekend. On the social media channels here at The Crude Life, we're going to be giving you the scores for the Final Four. Is it a Saturday and then Monday, right? I think so, yeah. That's usually the way it goes. Mm-hmm. But this year, I don't know. I've, I've lost track. 
Well, they you know they had, well, they had a couple more teams. They threw in that extra day. Hey, they're re-educating us. <sighs> Re-educating us. Re-education. <laughs> Me fail English? That's impossible. <laughs> so what else? Do we, what else do we got going on? It's Easter, right? Easter, yeah, this Easter weekend? weekend. Is there a Saturday? Is there a Holy Saturday? <sighs> Passover? Uh, you'd have to look at the calendar. Now you were born Jewish. Hey, or born Jew. Keep throwing that at me, man. Yes. Well, well, we're at a we're at a philosophical crossroads here. <laughs> I'm Catholic, so I'm about as Christian as they come. Well, you know, it's Good Friday, so and it's, then it's Easter weekend. It's Easter. I mean, they just allowed those rock bands in my church last year. Oh wow. Oh well, every Latin one had to have a heart attack, and they finally, you know. <laughs> Now, see, I, I'm bummed because I, I missed that whole revolution where churches started and synagogues started having music come in. Temple, yeah, temple. Is that what it is for? That's the, what I went. Yeah, I went to temple. Okay, yeah. and yeah. synagogue would mm-hmm. be. Do we know the synagogue is is basically like another? Is that temple. Mormon synagogue? Mormon would be temple, right? Synagogues are also for Judaism. Oh, it is. Okay, mm-hmm. see, I see. I yep. Quakers call it a house of worship. People look at me weird when I go to like a Baptist um, ceremony or event. I don't know what they're called because everything to me is a mass. Right. Okay, it's a mass. Yeah, you're expecting to sit down for an hour and a half, listen to something, take the chip, take the wine, know the password. Right. Have another half hour of Gotta talk. Know the password to get the chip. Man, I'll tell you, when I was doing video work for a while, I was doing Catholic weddings. I had no idea that I was going to be standing up videotaping for two hours. Of a ceremony. Have I told you my uh, Lutheran Easter story uh-uh. with Otis and, no. and his mother? <laughs> that sounds good. So his mother sang in the in the rock band. Okay, mm-hmm. so she was the she was the lead singer, and during the whatever whatever the Lutheran homily is, mm-hmm. or the sermon they call it. I think so. Okay, I'm yeah, you're not a, you're asking I'm the asking wrong guy, the guy man. born Jewish. Yeah. Something about Lutherans. Okay, I'm closer to that I guess than, than yeah, you. Yeah, but I was be. born Jewish and had to pretend to be Christian living in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> then I went to a Quaker high school. So I'm all wrapped up, man. <laughs> no issues there. <laughs> if you, folks, if you got any psychiatrists who want to sponsor, we'll do trade. We'll, I, we'll trade it out. In fact, every Friday we'll have we'll have uh, just Sterling's time on the couch. Remember Doctor Katz? Doctor Katz. Doctor Sterling. Okay. Just, well, that's odd because you were born Jew, mm-hmm. Jewish, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? Jew or Jewish? It depends on who you're talking to. I know some yeah. people are offended and they're they're Jew. Or Jewish, yeah. So there's kind of a anyway, but and then uh, yeah, it, it doesn't bother me either you, way. You grew up in Saudi Arabia, where you couldn't admit you could not so be Jewish. You were. My dad would have never been able to get a job over there if he had stated he was Jewish. You were uh, Brendan Fraser in school ties. Oh, jeez, right? Yeah, you, you were the guy that had to hide your Judaism because you were in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and yeah. Brendan Fraser had to hide his Judaism. From Matt Damon and Ben Affleck because they were dicks. That's right. In that that boarding that school. That was their first movie being dicks. Well, they it, weren't as good in football. Yeah, that's right. Sports, 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 sports. It's Friday, man. You know, there's some of my friends, close friends from Saudi Arabia that still don't know. It doesn't matter. So what's this Quaker bit now? I didn't know this. Yeah, I went to a Quaker boarding school. So you went to a Quaker boarding school. I, I chose to go to a Quaker How many pictures school? of Richard Nixon were up? He's Quaker. No, dude, yeah, but this was a very liberal school. Oh, so they didn't have Nixon around. No, Tricky Dick wasn't popular okay. there. 
I I don't understand what a liberal Quaker Quaker school <laughs> would be because Quakers are on the Amish extreme of conservatism. Well, you know, it was right. Yeah, when I was looking at, at having Quakers. to go to a boarding school, Quakers would be like crazy Amish. See, I always found Quakers to be the most chill. As I was looking at places to go, I was looking at mostly religious boarding schools, right? Christian or Catholic. And I was looking at the religious requirements, having to attend church, having to go to mass, this and that. Quaker, they have what's called meeting for worship, where you basically sit in a large room in pews facing each other in silence, unless somebody feels motivated to speak. That I could totally get behind. I've read about that in some of uh, Nixon's histories. Yeah, about uh, because he was Quaker. Yeah, he was very much a Quaker. Uh, yeah, his mm-hmm. parents very devout. Uh, had a lot to do with his self esteem. My understanding is mm-hmm. his Quaker upbringing, and he was he was a very paranoid man. Yes, he Just, was. Yes, that's why I, like the school I went to. It's called the George School. Uh, you know, it was founded in like eighteen eighty five or eighty six. So it's been around a while. Wow. Okay. So born Jew. Had to hide it when you went to Saudi pretended Arabia. Pretended to be ca- Christian. But you had to p- pretend to be Christian, which yep. then you became Christian, kind of? Well, everybody assumed I was Christian. Okay, I went so to church. I, yeah. You you went through all the motions, mm-hmm. and everyone assumed that, which I suppose if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it must be a duck. Hey, man, I have gotten to read <laughs> the Bible, and then the they, Torah. And then they ship you off to, <laughs> to a Quaker school. <laughs> if, you, if you leave the chain leg fence with razor wire, you got to be, what is it, Muslim outside in Saudi Arabia? What are they? Pretty Yeah, they're Muslim. Okay, yeah. they are, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so... It's, you know, there, there's like subsets of that. There's not I was just say, there's which, Shia, which, there's Sunni, there's... They? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, a little complicated. Oh, wow, boy, I didn't expect this much... Uh, well, I was just, you know... This much religion on Good Friday. This is honestly... Which is a weird thing to say. Right? <laughs> that just came out of my mouth. Oh, man, this is a beautiful All Friday right, I'm morning. I'm not going to plug Kate's Man Cave with that because it's a good it's good friday and i'll, I'll leave if that you one do alone. i'm gonna stand back for the lightning bolt just oh, to give yeah. me some distance i'll leave that one alone yeah bolt okay from the blue. So, <laughs> so well okay passover was last week right yeah okay so you've already kind of theoretically it would have celebrated that mm-hmm. uh did, her and, yeah. did, did you um you know did your family when because you moved in second grade yeah, so you but probably don't have any memories. Of I, it I have memories of Sunday school. I have memory. I have only good memories of my Jewish heritage before we moved over to Saudi. But as a kid, not having to get up and go to Sunday school, I was like, okay, that's cool. I don't have to oh, do that. Man, we had to get up and do the paper out, and then go be an altar boy, and then go be an altar boy for a three-hour mass. Now, see, I want a whole segment on you as an altar boy. That has got to be a fascinating story. <laughs> 404, man. File not found. <laughs> you just blocked that memory, huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if I did. Well, you know what? Just... Someday, let me tell you. I'll tell you the story about my teacher in Saudi Arabia who ended up becoming a famous sexual pedophile and killed himself in a hotel in Minnesota. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah, we'll save that for the uh, after hours <laughs> podcast. Uh, we don't we don't want to scare away everybody on the program. Uh, well, actually, we'll probably gain a few on that one. That uh, anywho, so one of the things that I, I do remember about Easter um, because you you must have celebrated Easter. In, in the My church. mom was the type of mom that if there was an excuse to give you candy, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you know, we did the same growing up here with Otis. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Oh, the bat phone's ringing early this morning. All righty. We well, we'll take a brief pause. And All right. Come back in just a moment here as we continue with the bat phone. I'm doing okay. I'm here for the moment, knowing that I'm on my way. Like even I said what I had to say. I just soon be on my way. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000 when Fargo native Mike Marcel, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life, and I'd like to take a moment to tell you about Kate's Man Cave and how Kate has improved my mind, body, and my soul. Kate's Man Cave uses the latest in sexual health education high-quality hygiene products, and the hottest, and I do mean hottest, accessories from Pure Romance. Kate's Man Cave has enhanced my life more than I could ever imagine. Kate's Man Cave has quality products for my bath and shower, as well as my overall wellness. But between you and me, and anyone else listening, they also have products for my bedroom and my boudoir. Takes a real man to enter Kate's man cave, so if you're a real man or you want to turn your boy into a man, then check out Kate's man cave today. That's Kate's man cave. Play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. All right, welcome back to the Crude Live Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. We're going to get a Permian update in just a moment here with Tiffany Wilson at Aries Buildings. Of course, you always love to find out what's going on in the supply chain, and Beds and Heads is a great way to find out where the activity is going to be, and sometimes where it's leaving, because sometimes, you know, they got to turn out the lights and go to a new place, and Tiffany Wilson, of course, is one of those shale play prophets out there, much like myself, where we, every now and then our predictions come true. In fact, predictions have been coming true more often than not as of recently and the shale play profit that Tiffany Wilson had was Big Spring, Texas as the next hot spot for the Permian Basin. Tiffany Wilson, how are you doing today? Good, how are you Jason? 
Hey, not too bad. What's going on down in Texas? Well, Texas is going as always, crazier than ever. Uh, have a little broken foot with me, but I'm good to go. <laughs> now, what Now, what happened to your foot? You broke your foot. You just got a cast on like a half hour, an hour ago, or you got fitted did, for one. Yes. I think it was uh, my dad calls me and says that it's God's way of telling me to slow down. <laughs> I believe that. I do believe that. I, in fact, that's that's how I come to terms with red lights. I'm like, okay, that's just God's way of not making me get hit by a bus two blocks away. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, because the, bu- the bus was going to run that red light and hit me otherwise. You know, that's how I got to justify it in my mind to have a little patience. So, uh, But you've mentioned uh, before that you thought the next kind of activity was going to come out of Big Spring. And... You know, you've been able to follow Pecos and Carlsbad and just some of the, uh, some of the, what's the other one down there? Hobbs, uh, some of the activity that's been happening down there. And uh, first of all, give us an update where Aries is, what you have going down in Texas, and uh, what's going to happen in Big Spring next that you guys are aware of? So, you know, just like you said, I've been following these towns for a while and you know, back in 2018, 2019, you know, they considered 285 a death highway from Pecos to Carlsbad. It was just, um, that was, a, it was a hot spot. And uh, it got to the point where Carlsbad couldn't get a hotel the summer of 2019 without paying a good $500 a night. Um, so, as things started to slow down even before the bus hit, um, I just thought, you know, Big Spring is the next place. <laughs> They're like, no, no, you know. And, and years back, we had an attorney come to us. My dad has some land out there that we hunt off of. And uh, he had offered us some money. He said it was the client shell. It seemed like they could never drill there or something was going on. But there was. it's always been the sitting spot where I just thought this is, this is it, you know. Um, but activity in Big Spring, Howard County, is uh, is picking up drastically. You said Howard County. Uh huh. Howard County. See that you're driving. I. That's a very loud uh, blinker, unless it's, uh, I guess, something else. But. So, okay, so you're, are you guys going to be doing anything there as far as areas go? Are you guys uh, site, you know, site location? Do you have uh, crew camps uh, looking at that type of thing? guys at right now? Different locations. We're in North Dakota, we're in Oklahoma, South Texas, and then we have two locations in West Texas. And talk to me like I'm I'm a CEO or like I'm a decision maker with kind of what's going on down in the Permian. Because a lot of these guys in Houston and Dallas, you know, they, they don't make it to the Permian as much as they'd like. And def, definitely not in Colorado or, 
you know, in the East Coast, where probably, you know, some of the companies headquartered in the East Coast. So um, what, you know, just boots on the ground, are, are you seeing, you know, the white trucks? Are you, are you seeing, you know, the um, uh, hotels that, you know, you mentioned, you know, 300 bucks a night or whatever they were getting there for a while on the, on the death highway and that sort of thing. Talk, talk, to, uh, talk to me a little bit about some of those things that the uh, decision makers like to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is some of the stuff that you guys have going on because um, how, how many beds are down in, down in Pecos area? The Pecos area we have, well, we have Orla and we have a good... That's at Orla. Orla. Yeah, we have 507 beds there right now. Uh, Pecos is a hot spot. Of course, there's been some other types of camps put, put in Pecos at the moment, which has caused a caused a shortage of beds for oil field workers. Um, so Orla is about 40 miles north of Pecos, but um, that's always been, you know, it's a remote place and everybody put in their camps there because that's, that's where it was, you know, for safety reasons. Sometimes it's uh, easier to get, get there than have to drive in the middle of the night to another town when there's not really a town close to Orla for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of almost like a ghost town, isn't it? There's one pilot and they put that in finally, but there's six man camps and a store and that's it. Yeah, and then, you know, because when, when I'm kind of, I'm looking at Kermit, Texas, and, and Kermit, of course, is just north of um, Odessa. I'm sorry, it's just, it's, I'm sorry, it's not north, it's northwest of Odessa. And, yeah, just actually just east of Orla. And that's where the Meridian uh, refinery is going to be going in. And so, yeah, I, I'm kind of looking at as possibly, you know, some construction, too, that... You know, when you start putting, you know, heads in bed, you guys do more than just oil and gas workers and, and that sort of thing. You guys are doing uh, construction and, you know, we've got some new, yeah, new facilities, new roads, et cetera, happening out there because there is other activity happening in these, these areas that I say ghost town. And there, I know there is an actual ghost town out there, but um, there, there's just not a lot of population there and there is some miles in between, so... Uh, okay, so you guys had that, and you mentioned the Big Spring one. You guys are kind of uh, got some site location, or you're checking some things out because you, you know, the activity is kind of percolating there. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, North Dakota, you mentioned. Uh, what's happening up there? So North Dakota, we've had we've had an add-on lately, an increase. Um, it did go down for a while, but there are actually some refineries in North Dakota as well that are looking to put in quite a few employees and are hiring. So that's going to be really good for North Dakota. Um, there's the Davis refinery um, that's being built. Right by and, uh, right by uh, Belfield. Yep. Right. So we have that South Heart location, and uh, that's going to – hopefully that will be a good one for anyone that needs to stay as they come in for the Davis refinery. Hmm, okay. 
Well, all right. I appreciate the update from uh, the boots on the ground there down in the Permian as we kind of go across Shale Play USA. Now, um, you're, you're kind of active, so you're going to come up to the Williston Basin Conference, it sounds like, and then you've got the other conference down there in June, and um, you've got, of course, your uh, – your, now, you're on the membership – I'm sorry, you're on the um, leadership team for Oilfield Connections International and also – the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners, correct? Yes, sir. Anything else I'm missing on your uh, your extracurriculars? Yep, that's it. Okay, all right. So people can, if they want to join a couple networking groups, you can reach out to Tiffany and join the Pipeliners Association or OCI. And if people we want, go ahead. Another good one that's in the Permian is the Oilfield Helping Hands, and that's uh, that's been a really good organization. They're going to, tomorrow, in the COVID vaccine drive through and they're going to cook. Uh, we've been doing that for about a month and a half with Slumber Jays, so um, we're getting different groups to go out there. We've had some from Horizontal Wireline. We had Aries come out there, ESS support world, worldwide. Um, so it's been... Uh, a lot of good groups helping out with the community as well. Well, good luck to you down there, and make sure you rest your foot. Uh, what's the prognosis on the foot? Did they give you any sort of uh, timeline and when you're going to be out dancing again? Well, I'm going to try to dance with my boot on. Oh, you're getting a dancing boot. <laughs> so you're now you're is it a boot or a cast or what? How how I mean, can I sign it? It's a is it like a, so, a blow-up inflatable? Literally, literally boots on ground. <laughs> no kidding. No, boot on the ground. There we go. Because you got to have one yeah, elevator right now. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's a really big boot on my left foot, but um, hey, it works. Yeah, I mean, do you have crutches or is it uh, is the boot okay to, to walk with and just kind of a limp or whatever? Yeah, so it is a walking cast but it's a little hard to walk in i'm gonna i'm gonna give it my best though well the, the foot is very difficult what people don't get about the foot is that it's got more bones than any other any other part of the body and so it, you know so many times people will break their feet their foot and they won't even know it and because they're also durable the foot's also durable because you gotta walk on it all the time so it's just uh i i think i've break, broken my toe so many times by stubbing it and it just gets big and everything so well good luck to you because you know the foot heals but at the same time it does become pretty uncomfortable for a while so you got um wow good luck to you down there and how can people get in touch with you if they want to get some beds in the heads they can email me at t wilson at ariesbuildings.com or they can of course always check out our aries residence suites.com for commercial buildings or if you need office mobile offices it's aries buildings.com and of course my cell phone number is listed on all of those as well well she wants to live a life and happiness non-stop well it's moss growing all over the rocks analogy woman you know I like you a lot 
music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000 when Fargo native Mike Marcel, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life, and I'd like to take a moment to tell you about Kate's Man Cave and how Kate has improved my mind, body, and my soul. Kate's Man Cave uses the latest in sexual health education high-quality hygiene products, and the hottest, and I do mean hottest, accessories from Pure Romance. Kate's Man Cave has enhanced my life more than I could ever imagine. Kate's Man Cave has quality products for my bath and shower, as well as my overall wellness. But between you and me, and anyone else listening, they also have products for my bedroom and my boudoir. It takes a real man to enter Kate's Man Cave, so if you're a real man or you want to turn your boy into a man, then check out Kate's Man Cave today. That's Kate's Man Cave. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome back to the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling. And Hello. Hey, I want to get back to that Easter talk a little bit <laughs> as I get that out of my t- teeth real quick because I tried to scarf down a granola bar between, actually, it's a three-ingredient bar in between commercial breaks. It's like a dog biscuit from here. But it tastes like one, too. <laughs> so That'll help you have your Steve Ducey of the morning. <laughs> right, exactly. That's funny, actually. <laughs> Uh, folks, I do want to mention the Bakken Barbecue coming up June 19th, and also we've got the Williston Basin Petroleum Council May 11th through the 13th. June 10th-ish, we'll be down in the Permian. Next week, I'll be in Bismarck uh, for an industrial forest meeting, so we're continuing there. We're going to meet with the mayor, and it sounds like there's a good chance the uh, North Dakota Ag Director as well, who sits on the Industrial Commission. So Seriously, Nice. Big time, baby. Yeah. North well, Dakota really seems like a great place to start with this, with the it forest. It does. I mean, and, you know, I was talking to the mayor last night, and, you know, we just kind of lamented on the fact that, you know, he's really only one of 50. 
There's only 50 state capitals. Yeah. And he's the mayor of one of them. Mm-hmm. So he's got a little bit of a special, unique pull, and his last name is Baca. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you can't get much more local than the, that name. Right. <laughs> so it's, anyways, we're moving ahead there. That's awesome. So Easter, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was actually how the oil and gas industry has helped uh, Easter out. I mean, when you take a look at eggs, for example, you mm. remember back in the old days, it would always be hard-boiled eggs. Yeah. Think of all of them that went to waste. All that food waste. Or ended up behind a couch for three weeks. Ugh, Man. You had the smell yeah, yeah. coming in. Yeah. Well, plastic eggs, I mean, I, I go at least three, four years minimum. I mean, some break and they recycle out and et cetera. But yeah. it's, I, I don't remember the last time I bought a 99-cent bag of 20. Yeah. Is that what they cost anymore? I don't even know. I don't know. We've got the same bag of plastic eggs. And if we buy any of the grass now, we get the, uh, the paper, the shredded paper oh, grass. Oh, sure. Yep. I think I'm still using the same grass from when I was a kid. <laughs> I know I still find it six months after Easter. So I know yeah. it's not been smoked. That I know. I'm just and we'll be in Colorado in a few weeks too. By Speaking the way, of that, yeah, I had to figure out a segue transition some way to right, that. Right. But yeah, uh, when I when I was uh, dating the girl who was a Baptist, that must have been interesting. And I went to the Baptist church that was like a pep rally. Yeah. You know, with the. With the um, I've been to a couple of Baptist Where there was a baptism. And, yep. Oh, you. Wow. Where they dunk the kid. Yeah. You, you know, puts the puts the clothespin nose. Baptized, yeah. Uh, uh, a pincher. Mm-hmm. Pinches the nose, you know, because they dunk him backwards. And he's like 12 years old in a suit, in a bathtub. And then they have the band start up, you know. And it's an anyway, event. I mean, uh, it's like a bar mitzvah. You know, what their like, family did, uh, they had hard boiled eggs for breakfast. And they, they had the ham later for, okay, you know, sure. but when you woke up in the morning and that was what your breakfast was, yeah. salt, hard boiled eggs. Now, see, we've always had fresh bunny at our house. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought that was kind of the whole point. <laughs> I don't understand the egg connection. That's uh, a fresh spring. Fresh spring. It has to do with uh, eggs and uh, chickens and hatch. And that's the, what it has to do with. And rebirth yeah. and, yeah. I don't know beyond that. No, hey, that's more than I do. Not man. sure what the bunnies are, but. <laughs> I'm guessing that might be a Hallmark moment, you know, that was squeezed in at some point. Uh-oh, bat phone. Man, we are busy today. That's okay. We'll keep going here. This is what happens on a Friday. I know. It's just been it's been one of those well, days. Well, it's like people wait all week to get in touch with it, and they're like, oh, crap, it's the end of the week. I better call Jason. Well, and we've got the Oil Man magazine deadline as well mm-hmm. for those people who want to get in the next issue of the Oil Man magazine. Well, my deadline's coming up because yeah. this is magazines. They need stuff like a month ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah, it's they not don't... like the, the interweb where right. you can post something and then take it down yeah. and then put it up later. And Yeah, printing companies get a little angry right. if you're just rushing stuff to them. They still have a bit of a process. Yeah. Uh, however, because of that. Oh, by the way. I should mention, all month long, did we talk about this yet? It's Keep America Beautiful Month? We, we talked a little yesterday, I think, about it. Okay, but not today, right? No, not today. So all month long, we're featuring interviews that are keeping America clean because the oil and gas industry, you know, we mentioned the uh, the plastic eggs earlier, you know, and, and the kayak, you know, you're probably familiar with the kayak. Well... You know, kayaks used to be made out of, you know, animal skin. Mm-hmm. Well, since the oil and gas industry came around, kayaks are primarily made out of plastic. So, you know, just little examples like that where it's 
to me, that's that's the way to communicate with somebody who is uh, keep it in the ground or mm-hmm. anti-fossil fuel to say, no, there's a coexistence that should happen here. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, even like coal, I always talk about, you know, maybe coal is going to figure out a way to desalinate ocean water. So mm-hmm. don't demonize it. Let's reinvent. Exactly. Let's revamp. Let's, let's repurpose. redo. Repurpose. Yeah. yeah. I mean, stop, you know, trolling and demonizing and, and triggering, man. Uh, what were you going to say? Sorry. Well, I was just, you know, you're exactly right. And in some companies, like we were talking about last couple of days, like Occidental, where they're starting to look into doing more carbon capturing with already pre-existing resources that they have. They're taking a process that they already are familiar with and expanding that, you know. So that's, for me, that's oil and gas. It's innovation. We should probably go to news, huh? Yeah, I guess so. Unless you want to talk a little more Easter Passover. <laughs> I'm so confused now. I'm not sure if I have to have my Quaker hat on or my, my yarmulke. Or I, so- I just find it very interesting. You went to a Quaker boarding school. At the time, it seemed like the lesser of all the evils that I had to choose The lesser from. <laughs> of all the evils. That's so funny. Well, you know, I mean, I still had mandatory, you know, uh, Bible classes and stuff like that, so... Oh, man. Okay, so uh, let's start off. You want to start off with some oil and gas news? Or do you want to start off with some sports news? No, we'll do uh, oil, oil, and then do sports Oil, last. oil, guys. Yeah. Okay, so coming from uh, Texas, this is from the TexasMonthly.com. America's, oh, magazine. Yeah, magazine. Yeah. Another magazine. America's offshore wind-powered future begins in a Texas shipyard. So this article spouted up on my feed and it's actually it's a really interesting story they're talking about alongside the brownsville ship channel which shoots straight as a drill bit into the gulf of mexico i like the writing already one of the biggest manufacturers of offshore oil rigs on the golf course gulf coast turned 180 degrees of dirt acres of dirt into a veritable gold mine the shipyard there is a maze of 43 buildings, including seven hangar-sized assembly sheds in which welders' sparks fly, pneumatic hammers pop, and signs worn in bold letters that any misstep could maim. So, in one end of the factory, three-ton sheets of steel. Out the other end, like intricate toys from some gargantuan Santa's workshop, roll some of the heaviest and most sophisticated pieces of energy industry machinery in the world. So, what are they making? Wind turbines? Yeah, is that what they're talking they're about. They're talking about making wind turbines. You know, we have that. We had that here in Fargo. Yeah. DMI, they're out of business now, or they sold, or they're gone. Really? So, I'm very educated on the wind turbine and those things. Um, it was it was very interesting, at least at the time, with DMI and and with some of the wind turbine transportation. That's what is, I see on the highways is the transportation they, they, issues. They can't go in reverse. Yeah. So the whole trip has to be mapped out ahead of time mm-hmm. to where they're always going forward. Yep. Off ramps and just all these different things, and getting navigating through cities and and et cetera. So there's there's quite a a logistical engineering feat, if that's even a, a se- sequence of words. Probably a specialized driver for that. You know, oh, makes some good be. money. Of course, they have the police escorts or the yep. the blinking lights mm-hmm. escorts that follow them. So I'm I'm very familiar with that. Uh, I'm I'm also very familiar with one of the issues with uh, wind turbines is it's like super asbestos, right? Because in in order to keep the elements and in order to keep the the them together with the you know the g force of the wind and et cetera, 
it's like a super fiberglass, you know, like, so that's why they can't recycle these things. Yeah, yeah, they really haven't figured out a way right. what to do with them. Because know? it's it's like they're taking fiberglass and asbestos and mixing it together to get some no, super thing. Of course, that's not true, mm-hmm. but it's something like that to where this this turbine, the end result, is so uh, titanium-like. You know, it's just so hard. And, and it's, you know, just from a casual viewer, you look at the amount of energy and resources that go into establishing it, to creating it, yeah. to transporting it, to siting it. But then to recite, we don't even know the energy it takes to recycle this yeah. thing yet. So there's another example why, in my opinion, the debate's not over, but according to the big three, it is. It, honestly, if you're going to do this, it makes According more to sense API, to me to be out on the ocean. It's right? over. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, there, I've got problems with it in the ocean, and it has to do with the sound and the way it carries, and it's messing up some of the migratory patterns of uh, of animals. Mm. Uh, the wind turbines are, of course, yeah. it's it's take it's it's knocking out birds down in the southwest. The Golden Eagle is almost extinct because of wind turbines. Really? Oh, yeah. Now, during the Obama administration, and I'm not picking on Obama. He just happened to be the president when this happened. I think it was 2016, maybe. Okay. 2015, right before he left. He signed uh, an executive order that basically did not allow states or people to sue energy companies, wind companies, mm-hmm. because there were so many court cases against wind companies because they were killing bald eagles because the eagle gets smacked by a wind turbine and the bats fly right into them. The bats are attracted to the humming. Yeah, it sounds like a homing beacon for right. bats, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of issues with wind um, that go beyond the recycling. So I, I don't, I guess to me, the debate's not over. The conversation's not over, even though it seems to be for everybody else. I'll just, I just have to do it on this podcast. You know, unfortunately, company because we've been using the, you know, oil, gas, coal. These are resources that are fairly easy to keep out of the view of people that are using them. Wind is going to be like the paper plastic bag argument. It could where, be. Where everybody thought paper was yeah. better, yeah. but they found out it was much worse. Yeah. Well, you know, it was one of those things where it sounded good, right? It paper, well, it made it, sense it, in know, theory. It, let's save the trees. It, yeah, on the surface. Yeah, and now we've got an ocean clogged with plastic bags. You know? But uh, but <laughs> on the other side, they said paper was actually better than plastic. Well, in terms of the recycling, I guess, the energy taken to recycle the paper bags... Um, uh, it's it's but a much it, better but deal. But what it turned turned out to be was that the cutting down of the trees to mm-hmm. make the paper, you know, bags, plus the actual uh, diesel to logging and everything that went into getting them and manufacturing them, they actually showed that the plastic bags were more environmentally friendly than the paper bags were. Mm. Okay, but then what they found out was just you know what, let's just make it a thicker plastic. And then that took care of the problem. Right. I mean, that, that really did. You know, I mean, because you don't see the big, thick plastic bags flying around. No. No, those go in the trash when they get, when they get a rip in it. It's the, it's the Walmart paper-thin ones that you got a triple bag yep. if you buy any cans. Yeah, and you look outside, especially around here where it's flat as a pancake, all around Walmart in the fields is just a wall of plastic bags. You know, that are just fluttering out there. I do think, actually, and and I've thought about this, the crude life, 
uh, as part of our um, uh, Johnny Green and, and Earth Protection and the Earth mm. Champion and that whole thing, uh, do, do a trucker cleanup. Because if That's you go to idea. truck stations, it's ridiculously filthy of uh, Plastic trash. bags, masks. Masks you name are it. awful. Yeah. Hashtag mask hole. <laughs> Don't, Don't be, be a mask, mask hole. hole, man. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> That's a good one. Hashtag mask hole. Don't be a mask hole. Because those things are everywhere. That's the new problem. Hmm. That's the new. Johnny Green? Yeah, see, I feel like this is Johnny Green's time. Totally. Really, Come out and shine. <laughs> All right, what's the next news story? Was that a news story? Well, yeah, there was still some more to it. Basically, what oh, they, were, okay. they were talking about is how they're transforming. There's a pivot that reflects that transformation. Sweeping Texas is what they're saying. So these yard workers in Brownsville are now making, instead of oil rig material, they're making essentially these wind turbines. Very positive language in the story. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? It's a, it's It's got a lot of really pretty words in it. Well, it's very positive towards the transition is what I'm getting yeah. at. Yeah. It's not resistant. It's It's... It's well. It's talking it's about like uh, educational. Let's let's move along. Let's well, go. Have we seen any resistance? This is like it's true. This is like a coffee deuce in the morning. It's just there's no. It's just there and it's gone. So Dominion Energy is a, a Richmond, Virginia based electricity producer. They're the ones that are buying this rig. It's going to be 27 stories above the waves, and it's the first wind turbine installation vessel built in the United States. So. Kind of interesting. What they're talking about here is really how the, uh, specifically the Gulf Coast, really they see it as becoming a new center for this kind of construction. They've already got the supply chain. So that's what they're talking about in the article is sort of the transformation is, is repurposing existing supply chains and manufacturers they're figuring out that uh, a lot of it is the nimby not in my backyard yeah so the offshore is going to pick up that's why i think it's and, more attractive is well we had mike renfro on hmm. he was 30 years oil and gas down in texas the houston area louisiana and COVID hits in one year he went from a hundred percent offshore oil and gas work to 80 percent wind 20% oil and gas, and that's primarily decommissioning wells and, and pipelines. All right, so it's like it's not new business. It's cleaning up old business. But this really. is all directed by the government. Yeah. This is all. This is the managed marketplace now, folks. You know, like I said, man, we're three months in, and uh, Senator Kramer's sort of prediction of four consolidated oil, you know, oil and gas companies is seeming pretty likely. Anybody from the state of North Dakota call you for your see if see if your business is doing okay? No. Anybody no. Any, any bank call you? I did get a couple of phone scams, you know. Oh. Yeah, you know, trying to get, you know, uh, So the scammers are the calling. The scammers are making Yeah, they're but reaching out. There isn't any bank that's called you. No. Okay, my extended there car warranty is up to date. Any economic development corporation? Again, just companies that are trying to if I've gotten PPE money to get me to invest it in them to help me get more business. No, their job is to yeah. That's a salesman call. Yeah, it's you. just sales. I'm calls, talking man. about these Nobody. people who make six to seven figures to go make sure businesses are doing okay because they just got five trillion dollars from the government no. to go do their jobs. No, I did so, get my Biden bucks. Well, that was that was electronic, right? Yeah, that was a one time shot. You know. So okay, so no banks have called you. No. Nobody from the state of North Dakota. How about no. the Commerce Department? No, no. Okay. No. In the fact, tre- I haven't heard the anything. treasurer. No, the tax department. Just that it's time for taxes. Okay, they want their okay, <laughs> they want they, their money. They, they want yeah, more money. Yeah, yeah. Okay, 
Actually, so, I think we did get something from the state that was just letting us, reminding us that if we were going to be deferring our taxes, that we had to make sure to let them know. You know, because but our stuff's already done. No, man, no, no support. Now, downtown, granted, to be, to downtown fair, community community builder. No. No. How about the zip code people? No. You see them, right? You put the zip I, code I did in the notice window? that throughout COVID, downtown continued to bustle and grow. What was that development that's going on over there? Where? In uh, downtown on Broadway. Isn't there a couple of, is there a new hotel or apartments Soda or something? Sopa? Yeah. Yeah, Soda Sopa. Mm-hmm. It's in the shitty pot of town. Shitty pot. <laughs> I was at the Toasted Frog last night. COVID's fake news there. Man. Oh, man. There was frogs a toasting. I was just kind of, tell me, what do you get at the Toasted Frog? It's a French restaurant. Okay. So that I got, says it all. Did you get brains? Uh, I ended up getting a quinoa bowl. They didn't have the thing I wanted. Quinoa I wanted swordfish. <laughs> they didn't have swordfish. They, they were out, so... It, you know, one of those things. That's shocking in the uh, middle of COVID affects the menu updating. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, they tell you to go online, look at the menu, because every, everybody now, you, you go somewhere and you got an errand. Mm-hmm. Man, it's so annoying. It's so annoying. Everywhere. Listen, Walmart, I tried to avoid it for years, but Walmart won. They trained me in. They, they got all my letters that yep. said... I want to be a cashier. Walmart, can I please be a cashier? And they came out with the self-service thing. So pretty soon, after a year or two, they trained me in to be a cashier. Yep. So the robots won. The robots won. <laughs> well, now the servers are training me in so that the robots will win, so they'll lose their job. So is it, was it at all an automated process? Uh, you, you use sit, an app? You, or? you sit down, and they got some postcard with a Rorschach test on it, you know? Right. The ones you take a picture of. I just found that out. I thought you had to download an app for mm-hmm. those Rorschach tests. You know what I'm talking about? What are they called? Uh, to what? Prove you're not a robot? No, the the, the whatever they're the the computer Rorschach test. It's uh the the the, the UPC code. But oh, okay, okay. But yeah. it looks like a bunch of uh, it's like a square. Right. What's it called? I I thought it was a UPC code. No, it's not the UPC code. It's the modern day one. Okay. It's the, um, oh yeah, I, I don't remember what it's called. I'll look it up for you. But you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, where you scan it and then. Yeah, yep. I call it a Rorschach. I, I don't know what it is. So. I like your name for it better. So that, that's what menus are now. All the places you gotta you gotta take a picture of or do do whatever. To QR this. State yeah, that's scan, what it is. QR it's, scan code. It's the yep. QR scan code. So you got a QR scan code. Well, now, I mean, no matter what, no matter what your question is as a consumer. Okay, they tell me to go do all this work. Take out my phone. Yeah, you lazy bastard. Dude, take out my phone <laughs> with with two layers of protection around the otter case, okay? So this is not easy to punch in. Right. So I got to punch in my password. While you're masked up, right? Okay. So then I punch in my password. Then I got to pull up my phone, take a picture. Then it just brings me to their website, some website. Okay, and that's not even accurate. So you haven't even gotten to the part where you said, I'd like a drink, right? So there's no server at this point? So, it's just an Oh, app? no, the, no, the server's telling me how, how to do this. Oh, Jesus. Right, <laughs> instead of telling me the specials. Oh, man, the or server, just taking your order. The server's training me in right. how to read the menu. Did you go back and cook later, too? The server's training me in how to read the menu. <laughs> and apparently, the only place you can get the menu is online, 
which isn't even updated because the swordfish wasn't available. Yeah, you failed if you have to explain. But how then he blamed COVID. Well, because apparently COVID is updating websites. I don't even understand what that means. Because of COVID. Well, because of COVID, they can't hunt the swordfish in the lakes of Minnesota. But they obviously, had, but they had swordfish, but they ran out oh. yesterday. Well, because of COVID, they didn't update the website because of COVID. So I don't know if that means the person updating the website got COVID mm-hmm. because I or the computer screen has COVID, so they got to sanitize it for seventy-two hours. <laughs> this is why I stick to gas station food. That's another way that they got us was full service at gas stations. Yeah, oh, it's perfect. Now they don't. Now we just pay right at the pump. We Dude, don't even Casey's to, gas station is basically my second home. We don't even have to go inside to talk to the human anymore. Oh, I like talking to the humans though. They're cute. Are we in news? We I don't think so news. anymore. <laughs> you took us off on story. that one. We're on a QR thing. Now who's the mask hole? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask you. Well, you know, okay, sticking in Texas, there is a little bit of good news here, apparently. Texas slowly adding upstream jobs after, quote, difficult season. So upstream oil and gas industry in Texas added 2,300 jobs during February. Still not back to its pre-pandemic levels, but slowly rising since last September. So this is a, this is according to the Texas Oil and Gas Association. Okay, no. My giggle went away. Total upstream employment in Texas in February stood at around 164,900. Good. That's out of what? 300 and some or 400 and some thousand jobs though, I think that pre-pandemic. How much of that um so it involves all oil and nash, natural gas extraction. It includes downstream sector jobs, including refinery, petro, chemicals, fuels, wholesaling, See, equipment. This is my problem with these stories is th- that's lazy. Um, what they're doing is the same old, same old, okay? But what they need to do is tell you how much is manufactured and propped up by the government. Sure. How much of that... $40 trillion that they printed in the last two years is, is, is related of that because what that would tell you is that that's going to go away fast. See, because... Is it just a, like a burp, basically? If you, well, if, if you put a trillion dollars into the economy and everybody cash flows a trillion dollars and mm-hmm. that's your new way of life, well, eventually you got to put another trillion in. Well, it's like what you were talking about the other day. I forget what it was about, but it was... You're building entitlements. Yeah, they were like, we have to factor in the government money. Right. You know? That's what I'm saying. So, I didn't... Apparently, no one's talking about any sort of government cuts. No. Where's Ron Swanson with the pennant (laughs) saying government cuts at the meeting? Government cuts. Government cuts. (laughs) Show up with the machete. Let's slash, you know? Well, they're saying that that there's actually been a slight uptick in the overall uh, rig count. So there was three rigs added overall for the week. That was by Baker Hughes Company. but And it's seeing the, the, the recount rising steadily since last fall. But it doesn't really give any information on the actual, you know, what is actually manufactured. What's interesting about API, Amer- American Petroleum Institute, they're generally, um, in the news story that I saw, they're they're cited with um, meeting. They met with Exxon, Chevron, BP, Shell, and Conoco. Yeah, all of them, all the big guys. How many of those are American? Yeah, I don't think BP is. No, BP's not. Shell isn't. Beyond Petroleum. Yeah, British Petroleum. 
Shell's not. Shell's not. Shell's European. Chevron? I don't think. I'd have to look that up. I thought they were German-owned now, but... Are you, are you looking up Chevron? Yeah. Okay, you look up Chevron. Because I don't know, actually. I, I actually don't know. That's um, because there's so many consolidations and changes in the past, whatever, that, you know, when, when Jerry Simmons from DEPA talked about the European Petroleum Institute, well, no. if you're only meeting with European-owned companies, well, then you really are the European Petroleum Institute. <laughs> because it's their interests that are being represented, right? Yeah, well, that's what it sounds like, and especially in the areas of uh, wind development, you know, because Europe's got a real head start on that. Okay, so Chevron is an American multinational energy corporation. Okay, Conoco is too. Yeah. Conoco is. Um, And who was the other one again? Was it Exxon? I think it was Exxon. Exxon was the one that I didn't know, actually, Um, as far as if they were... Oh, they're still Texas. They're still headquartered out of Texas. Okay. Well, it's hard to know when they're near basically in every company, country anyways. Yeah. Well, and things have changed, you know. I mean, you, oh, get, totally. you know, name the, the brand name doesn't necessarily represent where it comes from anymore. I don't even know if Stat Oil is still called Stat Oil. <laughs> I mean, seriously, some of these companies, well, BP, BP. Right. Yeah. Okay, they went from British Petroleum to mm-hmm. uh, BP to where they tried to insinuate that meant beyond petroleum. Beyond petroleum, yeah. When it meant you know British Petroleum and things like was that. Was that while so, they were busy patriotically lubricating the Gulf of Mexico? That is when they lubricated the Gulf of Mexico. Nope. That's right. <laughs> they never get credit for that. <laughs> they just don't. They only get blamed. I know. They get blamed for lubricating seagulls. It's so unfair. <laughs> Much better surfing down there now. See, it is all about terminology, surfing. <laughs> What's the next oh, news story? Man. All right. So, Let's get to that beaver one. Uh, well, all right. Check it out. Beavers, NCAA baby. kicks Oregon State Beavers out of their hotel in the middle of the night after their Elite Eight loss. Well, they lost. Thank, yeah, they, but dude, this is harsh. So thanks they, for nothing. Monday night, number 12 Beavers fell to number two Houston Cougars, 67 to 61 in the Elite Eight. They made an improbable run that no one saw coming. They were one of the Cinderella stories. Number 12 seed. Yep. And they were told to pack up out of their hotel at 1.15 a.m. that morning and fly back to Eugene, where they arrived in Corvallis at 4 a.m. What, what are they, like a Man. private school? I thought Oregon State was a public school. What's going on here? Oh, geez. Nice parting gift. So as soon as they got back to the hotel after they lost, they were basically told, pack up, you're getting on a plane. Oh, why? They don't say. Oh, for real? Yeah. Uh, the NCAA tournament is basically, there really is no comment on it. <laughs> they just go on to talk about the different sort of gaffes that have happened during the the tournament this year. You know, the spacing issue with uh, women's workout areas and weight rooms. Um, but yeah. this one is a little bit different, isn't it? Well, it doesn't. It, there's no statement this is from yahoo sports and i don't see any statement from ncaa no they've been declining from my understanding but that's interesting so my guess is they'll come out and say if they say anything it'll be like you know due to covid we needed to make sure that those rooms were properly cleaned in amount of time blah 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 before the next blah 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 so that's my guess is what they'll come out with. Right, COVID. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. COVID in, allows you to do everything. Dude, when in doubt, man. It's the new 9-11, right? Where were they going? Were they in, uh, where was this happening? Aren't they in Indianapolis? Yeah, so, geez, man, that's a, God, 
God, at 150, that's a red eye. Jeez. <laughs> so I guess the message I would take away is uh, don't lose <laughs> if you want to continue to be, I guess, even acknowledged. Do you think they would have done that to Duke? Yeah, see, I wonder. North Carolina? Yeah. You know, one of the prominent... Is there a seed cut off? We don't. We won't screw anybody under you know <laughs> under a ten seed. Man. Although Gary Payton is an Oregon State Beaver, he's an alumni. Do you remember Gary Payton? Heck yeah, from the Sea uh, Supersonics. The yeah, and the Lakers. Uh, yeah, I remember love. him. I remember him more from the Supersonics. So he has a new strain of weed out. Gary Payton does. Yeah, he does. It's like, a, that's exactly. <laughs> that's his thing, huh? I heard that at one of the, what, during the Sweet 16, I was at one of the bars, and oh, the man. table next to me, uh, one of the tables, this, oh, this is a great conversation to eavesdrop on. So the one guy goes, Beavers? Who's played from the Beavers? And the one guy goes, Gary Payton. And the other guy goes, the weed guy? <laughs> that's what he's known for, now, the weed Apparently guy. Apparently he's got some new high-end weed strain coming out, and I'm going. Has it been uh, that long since him and Sean Kemp and the Sonics played know. against the Bulls? Has it been really that long? <laughs> well, I suppose he's an entrepreneur now, so yeah. what the heck? Did he take the North Dakota State Entrepreneur Program? We should ask. See if he gets it funneled in. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it today, folks. That's going to do it. We'll see you Monday. Have a great weekend. Standing in the rain. I woke up on a diesel track outside of New Orleans. My poncho left me and I didn't know what to sing. Oh, but Willie does it. It can't be bad. If Willie does it, it can't be bad. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life with Jason Speece. Thank you for joining the program today. If you want to look at America, you go to Permian and the Bakken, and, and that's what America should be, united as one. And that's exactly what we are. And, and then, you know, that's what I love about the oil and gas industry. One county in Kansas, one single county, produced 9% of the world's oil. That was an oil that won World War One, As the British said from the floor of Parliament, the Allies floated to victory on a sea of oil. Works picked up here in the Permian Basin. Yeah, leadership really needs to take a look at how we've been doing things and constantly make changes in how we can do things better. Commodities are always, 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 any commodity business, whether it's milk or whether it's oil or whether it's apples, they always are boom or bust because the solution to low prices is high prices, the solution to high prices is, you know, is high prices. It's a big issue. You know, it's kind of red riding hood syndrome here. People making out the industry to be be the big bad wolf. And on top of that, you know, you would get a nice increase in pay, as I'm sure most of us all know. When you move to oil field areas, you get a, a nice little bump in pay. After him and I having five margaritas over at the Cork and Pig, I called my boyfriend and I was like, hey, do you want to move to Texas? And he was like, yeah, when, when are we moving? <laughs> and honestly, we moved about a month after that. This oil and gas industry, I've met some of the best people I've ever met in my life doing this. Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. Curtis Shuck with the Well Done Foundation.
Thank you for joining the program here today. A couple reasons to talk with Mr. Curtis Shuck. Uh, in addition to just, hey, chewing the fat a little bit, always nice to catch up on what's going on in Mr. Curtis's Shuck life because he's worked in the supply chain from the, was it, was it the Port of Vancouver? Was that what it was? Yeah, okay, that's Port of, right. America's Vancouver. And then, and then there was uh, some railroad stuff, wasn't there, in the Bakken for a little bit? Yeah, I was uh, president of Red River Oil Field Services. We developed the Stony Creek rail yard with the first you know, train sand uh, facility in there and in Williston itself. Pretty exciting stuff. And now he's in Montana. Uh, I believe that your, your location is Montana in terms of your headquarters, but you'll do this anywhere. You're plugging abandoned wells, and you've been doing it now for, is it a couple years now, two, three years? How many years have you been doing this now? Well, a year and a half, but we're just celebrating our, you know, we're just celebrating on Earth Day, uh, April 22nd. We're celebrating our uh, one-year anniversary from the first Orphan well that we plugged. Remember, there's about a six to nine month uh, period of monitoring that uh, occurs prior to. So, yeah, we actually got started uh, about midway through 2019. That's what I thought. I know it's been a few years because uh, I remember when you first started, I'm like, oh, that is this is a great idea. Uh, I had heard a little bit about the orphan well issue, the abandoned well issue. And what's the third term? There's, a, there's abandoned wells, there's orphan wells, and what's the other one? Uh, marginal wells. Okay. And anyway, so it's, it's a whole industry to the tune to where the other reason we wanted to have you on is to get your reaction about President Biden coming out and having specifically a discussion about allocating dollars towards uh, capping, discovering, closing these abandoned wells. So uh, let's start with that. Have you, are you aware of this, uh, the president's yeah. speech? And, and let's talk a little bit about that since it is kind of newsy. Yeah, no, it is very newsy and uh, it's exciting stuff for sure. You know, one of the, one of the challenges that we found in our um, you know, foray into this uh, exciting and uh, you know, kind of brand new territory to dare to go where others haven't uh, anyway, I feel like an episode of Star Trek, but um, or sometimes it's the Twilight Zone, kind of depends on the day, right? But <laughs> um, you know, what's awesome about where the administration is going is that you know, federal lands uh, which have more than their fair share of orphan wells across the country, but you know, they tend to be a lot more uh, complex, I guess, is the best way to put that in terms of access, uh, dealing with the various, um, you know, the various agencies that have responsibility, whether it's the, you know, uh, natural resources or, the, you know, BIA, depending on where they're at. I think that this, this uh, money that the administration is dedicating towards this is likely, you'll see, likely going to be funneling into those, uh, into those areas, which are great because, Again, it's super difficult, and uh, for you know, we've had 3.2 plus million wells across the U.S. It's a very much a target-rich environment. You know, our focus is primarily on private land, um, where access is a matter of working with uh, various sundry service owners who uh, who love to see us roll in because we're there to help, right? 
So is there going to be certain dollars then per state, per well, per oil company? Have they have they released, you know, any details type of a thing? Well, you know, anytime I see, you know, government money, my my, my cynical hat goes on, which, you know, I'm, you know, I'm 45, 46 years old now. So with age comes cynicism. But, you know, you always wonder, is this the usual suspects that are just going to get it? You know, and I think of somebody like yourself, who's really put a lot of passion into this project to where, you know, you've got a lot personally invested into this because of the social cause behind it, because you've worked in this industry so long, at least from my interpretation and assumptions, is that you you, you want to give back now in addition to your knowledge and, and service towards the industry. That was kind of why I thought you got into the whole abandoned well thing. But um, Absolutely, and you know what's awesome about about this is that you know the results are immediate and you know you, you plug a well and, and the methane emissions stop you clean up the surface and you know the farmers are out there cultivating around it on the next cycle and it's pretty exciting and um, but you know for sure the like in any uh, program the devil will be in the details and you know our hope is that those dollars can find their way to deployment quickly uh, as the various agencies who become responsible for them then are able to, like I said, to get those dollars where they need to be, which is boots on the ground. Um, you know, what's awesome about this is certainly going to be the, the jobs segments, right? And how, you know, how that, and that's, you know, very stated, you know, directly by President Biden, that that's one of his focus areas is, you know, taking displaced oil workers and, or oil and gas workers and giving them, you know, a place to go. And obviously right now we're enjoying a bit of a, you know, a bit of an uptick, but you know, how that cycles. And it's nice to see that, uh, you know, that there's an opportunity here for not only the current oil field workers who may find themselves displaced, but gosh, you know, we've got a research project going on right now with Montana Tech, uh, Montana Technical University in Dunning Butte, where we're doing some cement optimization studies. And, you know, there's a whole new group of, uh, call them kids, it seems like, but, you know, a whole new group of young and enthusiastic, um, you know, engineering types that are coming through these various programs that, that see this as a a very important industry, and it's awesome to uh, to know that you know they're going to be able to to move that legacy forward, which is great. So. I want to ask a very dumb question, but and I know every well is different, but how how are you plugging these wells? I mean, are you are you just you know cement and sand, or what's going on here? <laughs> well, it, you know it varies from formation to formation depending on things like depth and pressure and heat and the, you know, drinking water aquifers, um, you know, in the simplest of terms, we use what's typically in the industry referred to as a balanced plug, which is essentially a, a bottom uh, plug of a cement uh, mixture, just, uh, you know, straight grout, if you would, with some accelerators in it that allows you to get into the pay zone and, um, and create a really solid, you know, plug into that oil bearing formation, and then we come and do a, a gel spacer on top of that, and 
that gel spacer, what's really important with that, and you know, I mentioned earlier the Keeman Sunburst, which is the field that we're where we have our pilot project going on right now in Northern Montana. And you know, there's a lot of, uh, of layers, geologic formations above this Ellis sand, which is where the, the oil was discovered, that are gas bearing. And so, what this uh, gel spacer does is it allows uh, it to, to go out beyond the uh, edges of the casing through the various perforations from years of corrosion and really create a solid barrier and that's part of what we're working on right now with Montana Tech is some of that design to really enhance that and then uh, sitting on top then of that gel spacer is another surface cement plug and um, you know, we get cement all the way to surface and you know again what's awesome is that you know we're continually uh, testing and monitoring these wells all the way not only you know pre-plugging Jason but then also all the way through the plugging process. And you know, we see, like I said, we, typically we see as soon as we get that bottom plug set that the methane emissions uh, either dramatically drop or, or go away altogether. And certainly through the, the, the top or surface cementing or the spacer and surface cementing, we absolutely see you know the methane emissions go to zero, which is pretty darn rewarding if you think about it. So. What's a timeline on plugging some one of these wells? You mentioned there's a monitoring process. You mentioned yeah. that there's you know some work. Is there is there a, a fundraising process too? I mean you know let's let's just kind of go through the five thousand foot time timeline if you don't mind. Oh for sure no so our you know the first step is we we identify various candidate wells that fit in our program they have to qualify into our orphan well program because. Uh, once we take that step to adopt a well uh, with the state for oil and gas, there's no do-overs or give-backs. And so we want to make sure that the well is, you know, has a significant uh, methane footprint, which, you know, makes sense because that's really the, you know, the higher priority. And so what we'll do, we'll identify, well, we work with the surface owner to have access agreements put in place. And, uh, and then we'll monitor a well for typically 30 to 60 days to start, just to make sure that it fits and, like I said, qualifies the program. Oftentimes, Jason will know, like, fairly quickly if it's, if it's going to fly. Uh, and then, then we go to the state, and you know, crazy as it may sound, we actually pay the state uh, of Montana and and other states that we're working in. We actually write them a check, uh, and well, not them, but the bank, and we post a bond. So we actually pay uh, for the privilege of assuming the financial responsibility of plugging out the well. And uh, so, I don't know, call us crazy, but that's the direction. That's that's the system, and that's what we do. And then from there, we start on a very uh, detailed monitoring regime that can go between, you know, it started at nine months. We've actually got it whittled down to six right now. Um, and where we're, where we're monitoring on a monthly basis, we're currently we're running a series of 24-hour continuous tests on flow. We're testing the uh, concentration of the gas uh, footprint, and uh, and then all that while, to your point earlier, yeah, we're we're out raising money, right? We're beating the pavement, working with 
you know, private individuals and corporations um, to raise the dollars to, to go out there and plug these wells. And, you know, we've got some great partners and some folks that are really, you know, taking an interest in what we're doing. They see the immediate benefit. And so, you know, um, gosh, we're kicking off this year, like I said, uh, 2021, with a plan for 30 wells. Uh, we're, we're plugging, actually, we're planning to plug our first well on Earth Day, the 22nd of, of April, but we had somebody step up and, and wanted to do one earlier, so we're actually uh, plugging our first well next week. And so, and then we're just going to keep on rolling. You know, a well a week is all we ask. A lot of these wells, of course, are still unknown, right? There's still ones in, you know, Pennsylvania, Ohio, that, you know, because of, of, of just, you know, rural land and, and, and the way wells were at the turn of the 19th century, uh, aren't there still abandoned wells and orphan wells that uh, nobody knows? They're just discovering new ones every day with drone footage and farmers hunting and that sort of thing? West Virginia, Ohio, and New York, and um, I was back there in February doing some due diligence work on on a couple of fields in New York and Pennsylvania, and you know it's a totally different ball game than we've got here in Montana. I tell you what, we really appreciate getting back to Montana and the big sky country, where you know similar to North Dakota, where you watch your dog run away for a week. You know they're in. Pennsylvania, and the, like the week before last, I was in Louisiana working with some partners there. I tell you what, getting around is tough. It's very wooded. It's uh, you know, it's hard to discover these wells. And to your point, a lot of wells are still undocumented yet. And so, uh, but even with the wells that we do know about, the orphan wells we do know about in Pennsylvania, for instance, there's 750,000 of these things. I mean, just nutty numbers, right? So let's talk a little bit about how they got to be orphan wells. We do know that, you know, 150 years ago, a lot of states didn't even have governments and Texas didn't have a railroad commission and North Dakota didn't have an industrial commission and that sort of thing. Uh, what, what happened? You know, um, there's this is a, not supposed to be a finger pointing session as much as what have we learned session. And I'll start it off where... Uh, I do know, and I've taken a look at, you know, that there are some issues when it comes to what states require in terms of maybe what, what's called a bond, I believe. So if a oil company goes bankrupt, well, that's just kind of the well gets left behind. I mean, if there's no money to do anything, you know, no offense, but things happen and life moves on and the poor farmer... He's not only not getting a mineral check anymore, now he's got this well sitting in his land. And isn't that kind of the reality of the situation, how something like that would, would happen? And then, you know, the bond doesn't necessarily cover the cost it would take to, to plug it and, and, and that sort of thing. Am I, am I following this right? No, nope, you're absolutely right on the money, Jason. And, you know, through a series <laughs> of, of transfers, you know, and think about it, think of it, you know, and, you know, something that, near and dear to both our hearts, uh, say the Bakken field, right? Um, you know, before the Bakken field, there there was a lot of activity in, for instance, into the, say, into the Three Forks or into the Red River. 
And, you know, uh, what happens is once a well depletes or a field depletes, then obviously its, its market value, you know, goes down significantly. And so what happens typically is that you end up with what are referred to as uh, stripper field or stripper wells. And those are wells that have very marginal production and and the value just isn't there. So, you know, comparing that to Permian or to the bucket, you know, if you have a company that goes bankrupt today, well, there's, you know, five guys in line to swoop in and buy it for pennies on the dollar. You have, you know, kind of a mom and pop oil show go out of business somewhere out, you know, Cato County, Louisiana, where I was week before last, and you know what? You can't you can't give the well away, and uh, because of the liability point here, you know, to what you had mentioned earlier, is that you know, oftentimes the bonding from the legacy bonds. Now again, the, the good news is, what have we learned? The states have done a much better job of upping the bonding requirements and making sure those financial assurances are in place and are rock solid. But again, you know, back in the day, here we are holding this bag, and so if that's kind of the that's the, what's happened is that, again through a series of transfers, through a series of, of uh, unfortunate events, these wells become orphan, they become wards of the state, um, and uh, you know, I mean, I joke about, and it's really not funny, but I, I you know often reference the fact that you know when we adopt a well, it is like adopting a child. I mean, you think about it, we're out here every month, you know, rain and snow and wind and sleet and hail and mud, you know, measuring these wells. And you sort of, you know, you sort of start to, you know, talk to yourself and talk to the wells and, and create this relationship. And so, you know, for us, when, like I said earlier, when we bring a well into the family, you know, it's it's for keeps. And, um, and it's, it's fun to see. Now, you know, we're working with partners across the U.S. right now uh, to take the model that we've designed uh, right here in Montana and replicate that. And, you know, the reception that we've got from the regulatory agencies, uh, from the oil and gas producers has been just outstanding. I mean, it, those are the kind of days that, that re-energize me and keep me going, you know what I mean? So, Let's talk a little ESG, environmental social <laughs> governance. That's all yeah. of a sudden now, hey, people are willing to talk about it now. Boy, I tell you what, they escorted me out of the room a year ago and co co conferences. I got stuff thrown at me three years ago and I didn't even just bring it up. And But now every all those same people that escorted me out of the room, they want to educate me now on it. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm being a little bit of snarky here, but... <laughs> At the same time, you've experienced the same thing. In fact, um, I remember when you first started this this company, if my memory serves me, because I say I remember, uh, you had to change into a nonprofit because that was the only way to get dollars was you had to have the right certification by the state in order to get the tax write off to where now I almost wonder if, you know, if, if there isn't a market for this without having a nonprofit status because of the ESG certifications and how that trend seems to be going that way. Talk to me a little bit about how, I, if I was right about the, the, the changing of the certification of the nonprofit status 
And then how you get the funding and that whole ESG movement and how it is changing things for somebody like yourself with these abandoned wells. Oh, it's an absolute game changer, um, you know, in terms of our ability to scale up. Uh, it's huge. So we're actually uh, literally uh, writing the book right now. Um, we are uh, with our partners at the American Carbon Registry and and a company called Radical uh, up in Canada, uh, the Well Done Foundation, and our partners in Texas from uh, there in in Dallas from Native State Environmental. We're actually sponsoring the very first ever again history making groundbreaking methodology with the American Carbon Registry that will then allow uh, projects like ours, that to be certified and deliver certified carbon offsets into the voluntary market. And, you know, again, uh, we've been at this, to your point, for a year and a half now. Uh, when we first started as a for-profit company, um, you know, capital raising, even though we had some great folks working with us, was extremely difficult just because the risk profile was so high. Um, you know, again, we're writing the book. It's literally, you know, breaking trail out here. And uh, But now I'm, I'm really happy to say we're making great progress on the methodology. In fact, uh, you know, I'm not going to commit to any timelines, but I would just tell you uh, relatively soon there's going to be a, a methodology out for public comment. And we're excited to get going with this thing because what that does, Jason, is that that allows, to your point, the the good work we're doing, the emissions that we're that we're stopping, the offsets that we're creating, then to be monetized uh, into in, in the U.S. today, with the exception of California, but in the U.S. it's all a voluntary market. So companies that have an ESG platform and a commitment to that then have an opportunity to uh, to buy in, purchase these credits. I mean, we're actually already selling them. We've been selling them now for about six months. We've, uh, we've kind of created our own version. We call them the climate benefit unit. And uh, we've been selling them. And, you know, companies are supporting us because they, you know, they see the great work we're doing and they see the immediate benefit. You know, like I said, plug a well, the offset or the emission goes away. It doesn't get much cleaner than that. That's fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. In fact, um, I'm going to do a little sidebar uh, meeting here quick, folks. So I, I apologize if, if this is boring to you, but it's not to me because... You know, we ran into the same issue with the industrial forest. Uh, we, we struck out, man. We, we took the industrial forest out there. We thought this would work out. We met with a dozen, over a dozen companies and, you know, sent out the 500 emails and the whole deal, right? We, everybody said the same thing, table it, table it, table it. And we're thinking, this is planting trees. We have the city of Bismarck on board. We've got the a place down in the Permian where we're going to actually use recycled frack water to water the trees. And this is an education industrial forest here. So uh, it's solving problems, but they all went back to that whole nonprofit status and this and that type of a thing. And we were saying, no, actually, that, that's the problem because the nonprofits aren't having a sustainability plan. We do because we actually had a sustainability plan. So 
we're meeting with the city of Bismarck next week um, to advance this a little bit further. And to your point, we're writing the script as well on that whole tree forest side because every everybody who puts a tree in our forest, because um, we're going to do one in every state, uh, the industrial forest, there's a network. We've already got cities on waiting lists. Um, they're going to get registered with the, you know, the world carbon. There's three different agencies that you register. So we're, we're, we're doing all three just to cover our bases. You know, we don't know who's going to win in the end, but somebody's going to, because at the because truly what's going on here is the ESG script is being written. And those people who have been a part of it the last five to 10 years are really stepping forward. It sounds like you guys are, we're working with a number of people as well uh, to where there's almost probably going to be, you're going to probably see an energy council started for this, for this very reason. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's happening, man. And it's happening fast because we'll look at API, you know, a- a- API came out and endorsed a, a carbon price and that was, you know, whether people are for it or against it, it's a 180. It's a complete, it's a complete 180. So the conversation has shifted and et cetera. So anyway, um, I might fold you in. I might call you during my meeting with Bismarck. And, um, yeah, happy to, uh, you know, certainly appreciate Mayor Bakken. And, uh, you know, we go way back. And, you know, he's a visionary for sure. And, no, it's, you know, it's great stuff. And, you know, I look at it, you know, similar to our energy strategy, which is kind of all of the above. I think we really need to adopt that same type of an approach on the carbon side, right? And, you know, there's no, there's not one silver bullet we're finding, but, you know, it's, you know, our message hopefully is, you know, one well at a time. And, you know, if everybody does their part, I don't care what sector you're in, if you just lift, you know, a little bit harder or reach down and pick up, you know, one more item on your way by, just think about, you know, how much better it's going to be. And that's the type of mindset that we want to encourage. And so, yeah, whether it's a forestation project or or an agriculture project, you know, we're 100% behind it because, you know, it all makes a difference. That's right. The North Dakota Ag Commissioner is going to be at the meeting, too. He's also on the Industrial Commission. Um, Doug, Doug Goring, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's great. Doug is he's. I always joke, he's like the most powerful man in North Dakota. And then he's like, shh, don't tell anybody. Because he sits on he sits on every committee. It doesn't matter if it's water or land or minerals. The guy sits on every single committee. He's just he's smart, smart like a fox, man. Anyway, uh, well, let's let's talk a little bit about how people can uh, help you out, how they can help their company out, but more importantly, how they can help the environment out. So uh, you know, give give the people your best sales pitch, your best awareness, your best education pitch, because really at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help companies. We're trying to help states solve a problem. And we're also trying to help the environment. Absolutely. And you know what? It's, you know, it's, I look at it, Jason, how it can just be so overwhelming. You, know, you sit back as an individual or as a company and you just think to yourself, oh, my God, how can I make a difference? You know, such a huge issue, um, you know, uh, how can I even, how does what I do even matter? Well, it's, it's kind of that, you know, one bite at a time, and, you know, that's why we started, you know, retailing that ourselves, our climate benefit units, because, you know, for for seven bucks a ton, you know, somebody can jump on the, our website, the www.welldonefoundation.com, and, and they can either donate or they can 
buy a carbon or a climate benefit unit. They receive a nice certification, and it's you know it's got the opportunity in the future to be converted into uh, an American carbon registry program. So you know whether it's a, a single well adoption, you know, as an individual or as a company, uh, or again by just uh, one climate benefit unit, every little bit helps us. And you know we're. I, I tell you, those are some of the most meaningful communications that we get through our website or, you know, from the mail is when, you know, we'll get a $5 check from somebody in Temecula, California, right, with a note, you know, hey, keep doing great things. And, you know, you know that they had to dig deep to pull that out. And, you know, those are, that's the thing that, like I said, those are the types of little bright spots that keep us going in, in what we're doing. We're not, you know, we're not a bunch of crazy you know, climate evangelists. I mean, we're just normal people, right? Trying to do the right thing. And that's really our message is that if everybody does their part, just think of what we're at. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. with Jason Spies. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomena. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us and especially you, Jason. Without, without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky. Man, we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can see for my 20 companies, they take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. Talking to Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. We all like living the crude life, so. <laughs> the Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Jerry Simmons, the CEO and president of DEPA, Domestic Energy Producers Alliance. This is Jerry Simmons. 
the, the idea here is that you, you look at the interests of the people that are, that are apparently in control of, of API. I think they're the large multinationals uh, that are, are mostly controlled by Europeans and, uh, and domestic U.S. oil and gas producers. And w on this issue, we are, we are obviously diametrically opposed mm -hmm. to one another. API is an outstanding organization. They do fantastic research. They've got, you know, banks and banks of people that do research on a daily basis that we, as a, as a small U.S. trade, can't do. Uh, so it, it's wonderful to have them there. Uh, we disagree with them on this issue. And if they're going to uh, come out with a, a, an official API policy on carbon pricing, which is another word for carbon tax, then we're opposed to that. We're opposed to the Paris Climate Accords as well. It punishes this country and the citizens of the, not U.S. oil and gas companies, okay? If you, we get into Paris and we keep going down the road that the Biden administration has us on, what's happening right now? What's happened since November? Oil and gas prices are going up. Mm -hmm. I, I think the last I saw, gasoline prices have gone up uh, almost 50%. Uh, since the election. Uh, I, I think there was a spike in there, but I think it's a steady 30 to 40 percent that they've gone up. Does that harm us? Our folks are making more money than they, they made in all of, of 2020 during the pandemic when, when oil prices were in the, the 20 to 30 dollar range. So no, this harms American consumers. And that's the thing that we get upset about is we want folks in this country to have reliable, inexpensive energy. Because we, we have it, we have the resource, and there's no reason not to provide that to the American public. What happens with the carbon tax, it's an energy tax, and that's what people need to understand about it. And it, that impacts everyone. It impacts the disadvantaged and the poor people in this country first. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. So there's still people without power as of this morning. You know, right now, I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in, in Texas. Sensitive microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I mean, this, is, this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, there are, and let me just say this, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. 
On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a sixth. It it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, The grid operator is projecting that nearly 3 million homes in Texas uh, are without power today. uh, And and there's- It's our snowy here in Lubbock again. I mean, I don't, I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I'm from Odessa, and that's a big part of my district, but I also represent, uh, in addition to Hector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Hector County, Ward County, and Winkler County, but uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that, that those, uh, those materials. And so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that we can either one, heat our homes, or two, uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, with pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that that crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B. They are so far behind the curve on getting the storage, the battery storage, uh, in place to be, even be able to handle a, 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 the, you know, the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas. And now, you know, there's gonna be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half the the lodge went without water since Saturday. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. We'll have water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, uh, generator, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that's true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas on, a, on life support and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? JP Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday. I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000 when Fargo native Mike Marcel, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken, 
Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life, and I'd like to take a moment to tell you about Kate's Man Cave and how Kate has improved my mind, body, and my soul. Kate's Man Cave uses the latest in sexual health education, high-quality hygiene products, and the hottest, and I do mean hottest, accessories from Pure Romance. Kate's Man Cave has enhanced my life more than I could ever imagine. Kate's Man Cave has quality products for my bath and shower, as well as my overall wellness. But between you and me, and anyone else listening, they also have products for my bedroom and my boudoir. It takes a real man to enter Kate's Man Cave, so if you're a real man, or you want to turn your boy into a man, then check out Kate's Man Cave today. That's Kate's Man Cave.